Get ready to dive into the world of revenue marketing with the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast, brought to you by Revenue Marketing Alliance. Today, we continue where we left off. Our host, Eve Chen, is joined by Ryan Bow, a product advisor at Looker and affiliate marketing faculty at Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University. In this episode, they carry on discussing the benefits of machine-generated content and also evaluate the cost and return on investment of generative AI. Wow, welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I'm your host, Eve Chen. Today, we are actually going to bring back um, our topic again, artificial intelligence, which we spoke about the, um, during the last um, conversation, uh, last podcast uh, episode, we dive into the morality and ethics and components about uh, the use of AI in B2B marketing. And today, I'm really, really excited to bring back Ryan Bow, um, who's the guest in our last episode. And he uh, really gave us a lot to think about, you know, in terms of the ethic components, you know, as we are starting to leverage this powerful tool. Um, so today that uh, we're going to continue that conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, welcome Ryan Bow back to the show. He is the head of uh, Identity at Locker and the uh, affiliate marketing faculty at Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University. Welcome back, Ryan. How are you today? Thanks for having me back, Eve. It's great to see you and and uh, chat about this important and kind of ever increasing topic. Everybody's talking about this, and so it's it's fun to to chat about it with you. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna stop and uh, for for quite some time to come because this technology obviously is still evolving, and we still got you know still at the uh, tip of the iceberg now, right? And there's still so much we need to explore um, from all aspect, you know, aspects and. Um, so I think the uh, the topic we talk about, you know, uh, we already uh, in, in our last conversation, uh, I mentioned about the law funds and surprising, you know, um, there is uh, absolutely nothing that, you know, uh, from the legislative point of view and everybody is still, you know, uh, finding mind boggling and uh, trying to figure this thing out. Right. And while the technologies continue to evolve and develop. Totally. No, totally. And it, and it, it is always evolving and is always developing. There's, there's technological updates every day. I think yesterday, uh, ChatGPT announced that they're going to be connecting, you know, to, uh, you know, to the live internet, uh, through, you know, a bunch of different vendors. And so, uh, you know, how we use these tools, how we've been using these tools and how we will start using these tools is going to continue to evolve. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah. So like you said, it's going to continue to be in view. Um, it's not going away anytime soon. And, yeah. uh, and we all need to be, uh, literate in, uh, in, in what this means for us in our business. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like last uh, episode, we talked about, you know, uh, other than the accuracy component, right. And I uh, was started, I think we ended the, the podcast starting to talk about machine generated emails, right. And certainly, uh, we can use the chat GPT and, Hey, um, you know, feeding a bit of a context and say, write me, um, a succinct email, personal, personal, professional email of this subject, right. 
Um, and ChatGPT will come up with this beautifully written email, right? So uh, I'd like to really get your view and the practical experience that you know from the work you have engaging and uh, what you see in the in the in the marketplace. Some of the pros and cons, advantage of using machine generated emails, and um, some of the um, potential drawbacks, both from commercial as well as from ethic point of view. Sure. Yeah. So, so when I think about this view, and I would just, I would just um, rename it ever so slightly. I, I'd call it machine generated content, um, just to, to just to differentiate from the idea of machine generated emails. Whereas when we talk about machine generated emails, we're talking about um, a system creating an email that could be given given to um, a you know business or. Uh, an online website or or something to that nature. When we talk about machine generated content, we're talking about the use of generative AI to create something that didn't exist before. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people doing this right now. They're starting to use, uh, you know, chat GPT or, or systems like it. Um, there's there's been some you know for years there have been some companies out there that have created you know le- leveraging machine learning and natural language processing yeah creating you know content generating content uh, you also have the idea of dynamic creative optimization right sending a message to a customer uh, in a way that is uh, is you know is engaging to them and as you see as you use analytics to see you know, what's the viewability of that advertisement? What's the customer engagement with that advertisement? We'll send, we'll show more things like this advertisement to people of a certain demographic um, or sociographic group. Uh, and so there's, it, there's a lot of, I would say like right now, there's a lot of hype around about machine generated content. Um, and, and if I were to boil down the benefits into maybe like three sort of bite-sized pieces. It'd be, you know, the speed and volume for which you can create something, the cost to create something, uh, not as in like what's a detractor, but it's just cheap. And then the accuracy, the accuracy. So um, to dive into each of those before generative AI, it could cost a lot of money to pay a copywriter to put an email together. Right. Yeah. Yep, and uh, and you're paying per email. Uh, it's it's very um, you know it, it's it's great because there's a lot of freelance uh, platforms where you can meet copywriters and the copywriters yep. can do the content. Yep. And usually, when you have a copywriter, you're not just finding a generic copywriter. You're finding somebody who you have to screen. Do they understand my industry? Do they understand? Uh, the 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 people in my industry, the companies in my industry. Um, what are the growth trends? What are what are the what are the problems customers are are having? And so, when you're paying for that person and their experience, the cost of that can go up quite a bit. Now, with generative AI and playing with uh, you know ChatGPT, for example, um, obviously there's other services out there. Your your ability to create a prompt and and be very prescriptive of the prompt, the subject matter of the prompt, the uh, the players or actors that you want implicated in the prompt, yep. and ChatGPT can do that for you. Now, what's great is 
you know, you can set the criteria. So in the same way that you'd probably set the criteria with a copywriter, right? you can do that with ChatGPT. Um, and, and you can actually, um, you don't have to use what is created. You can tweak it, make it better. And so that copywriter in the role of that copywriter is probably going to change the, the services, which gets to the next part, right? Not every leader is going to have the bandwidth to be the copywriting person. So you still might hire the copywriter, but the copywriter is going to probably be able to produce more for the same cost that they were, that they, you know, were um, charging before. And so this, there should be a, um, inefficiency that's created by having the copywriters leveraging these systems. Um, And I don't think we're in a place where, the the copywriting capability is going to be you know the copywriter will be replaced i think that they're going to be enriching this content what is bound to happen is for the same cost that you are charging a copywriter you're probably going to be able to get more content so if if you're a larger enterprise with a pretty decent content calendar you'll probably be able to enrich that calendar probably get higher quality content better targeted content, uh, creating more nuance so you can tap into move more sub subgroups of your customer base. But for the uh, for somebody who's a smaller, you know, doesn't have the budget for a copywriter, you're you'll be able to leverage the system in the same way a copywriter would, but you're just going to be wearing that hat and you're going to have to have a critical eye for what needs to be performed. But like that speed and volume and cost to bring something content wise to market, right? A blog post, maybe even a video or things like that as this evolves is going to continue to, to drop and turn like it's going to be easier. The level of effort is going to be smaller. Uh, and, and that it kind of gets us to the final point, which is the accuracy of the, of the generative AI systems. These are pretty reliable. What I mean by that is if if you're in an industry that has a lot of public information and has had a lot of public information over the last 10, 15, 20 years online, ChatGPT's or or generative services like it are going to be very reliable, Mm -hmm. but you're still going to have to edit it. You're still going to have to want to tailor it make it seem like it wasn't written by a machine and and put that human touch. So you're working faster. You're not spending all your time writing. You're spending your time editing and, and optimizing the message, things like that. Yeah. Um, And that's, and I don't think like I, when I think of these three categories and like kind of like coming together, right. Speed, volume, cost, accuracy, like these are all very solid benefits of generative AI in the near term and the long term, but they don't, none of it is, is indicating that, you know, you're going to exclusively rely on the machine. There's going to be a, a back and forth, a dialogue, so to speak with the machine. Um, I think it comes down a lot, a lot comes down to mindset, right? Leadership mindset. 
especially. Because um, those years ago, I wrote articles about what growth really means. And um, some, some, well, you know, a lot of large enterprises, you know, growth, part of the growth, you know, cost cutting is actually one of the strategy. So, you know, it's really about that improving that bottom line, right? And so is that a grow your top line or your, you know, uh, optimize your opti- uh, bottom line? So especially for publicly listed company, a lot of the time that, you know, before town halls and um, they need to actually produce the number, right? So a lot of time that if the revenue is not there, then they go through the cost cutting exercise. And um, we all been there thinking on the last 10, 20 years and the outsourcing offshoring and a lot of these practices you know it's all being engaged by um uh, especially a large enterprises space right and the small business has a totally different set of challenge right um so uh and it's the same thing i see because you know um a lot of the offshoring exercises some of that that i got involved in um you know the senior leader you know they don't see that this you know kind of move is uh, really uh to build out the strategic competitive advantage um it really is a cost cutting exercise so therefore it was not done in a way to really um strengthen that foundation it was in a way is actually stripping that foundation <laughs> and um, one of the projects I was involving that, you know, um, this very top management, they did uh, offshoring and uh, without, um, consulting the line manager who actually looks after those operations because the line manager are the ones going to may, be made redundant. And, uh, so the result can be disastrous, you know, with that kind of approach. So I think that, you know, to, to me that, you know, what I'm hearing, two things. One is that leadership mindset. You know, if you look at this, you know, uh, using this piece of technology to replace your human assets, end of the day, business, you know, uh, really our biggest assets are the human components. Um, then it can go horribly wrong for those businesses. And a second thing I heard is really about that, you know, um, for example, AI generated, they can write you a piece of nice article, um, email. Um, however, it might not carry through that brand voice, right? Cause your brand has your unique personality, what you stand for, the way you talk from right, the style and tones, all of that. AI is not going to be able to pick up all of that. So that, no. yeah, that's, that's my, my two cents into what you just, um, no, that, I think, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I think the comparison with outsourcing and I, I, I work in, when I started my career, I worked in outsourcing. So I know exactly <laughs> that, that comparison where something that's intended to be a cost cutting exercise could actually be a lot more expensive than what you had hoped for and planned for. So it's, um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a salient warning. And I think it's a great, uh, transition to maybe some of the, maybe the costs side of, of generative AI and, um, and, and something that we all just need to be cognizant of, especially as business marketers, yeah. especially as we're trying to, um, be relevant with our customers, you know, getting back to the conversation we had last week about, uh, machine generated emails, you know, as, as every major and small company focuses in on their first party data strategy, the main thing that they're aiming for is an email. 
And now that we have this generative AI solutions that allow us to create more content more efficiently, it, it, it actually serves as a warning to, we need to look at our inboxes. How many emails am I receiving a day yeah. from anybody? You know, and, and sometimes it says, you know, from, you know, an industry, uh, uh, you know, publication, I might get three or four emails a day. And of those emails, maybe one, maybe not even one is truly relevant to my day-to-day work. Yeah. And the reason why there's a strategy to send content is to keep that industry body relevant. But it creates this white, this more of like, it becomes more like white noise where I start, you start missing crucial information and content because it's not truly tailored to that person. And so as generative AI makes the ability to create content easier, and we see this in the, in the news space today already with, you know, sports publications using AI to write articles and things like this. It's, it's only going to kind of proliferate other sorts of, you know, it's only a matter of time where it proliferates in other site sorts of content. And if that content is truly not relevant or is too frequent or doesn't fit that consumer persona, you're going to actually rub your customers the wrong way. Yeah. And it's going to decrease your, your relationship with them causing them to unsubscribe or provide fake email. You know what I mean? Doing, doing things to mitigate how often they communicate with you and, and whether you're aware of that or not is, is going to be really difficult. Another cost. I don't know. I, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit or just what you, yeah. No, no, that's great. Think. No, no. Yeah. I'm just, uh, um, uh, yeah, give me another, uh, just, just to refresh my memory of another example, actually. No, yeah, great. No, yeah, it, it, but it, this is like, you know, we've seen this coming and the train is just continuing to roll and it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be, an, there's a, there could be, could be an, uh, an ugly awakening at the end of the tunnel. The other thing that's challenging with generative AI is citations. Um, where is the information yeah. coming from? I we sort of talked about this, I think, last time. Right. Um, but where I see this being particularly challenging for a uh, for business leaders is you're relying on G- GPT or something like it, right? It's equivalent, yeah. and you're getting you start the 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 generative AI starts to feed you and feed how you think about problems and, you know, this kind of getting the bias pieces, but, but you might be on a panel and you might start talking about something that you may have learned from chat GPT and somebody might go, Oh, that's really interesting. Where did you learn that? Or where did you hear that? And and it's going to be difficult to, um, separate, you know, I, I, you know, some people would probably go, Oh, I I got this from chat GPT. But more importantly, it's like, well, if there's statistics or if there's um, research that's cited or things like that, being able to actually, you want to be familiar with the with the base or the the source content. You know, what what does that author really think is like that statistic really powerful enough on its own, or can you 
defend that statistic on its own. Yeah. A lot of business leaders, you know, they there's usually some somewhat of a, a salesy bend. You can kind of roll with the punches, but it is something I think to be very cognizant of. If you read something, something that's relevant to you, something that resonates with you, something you feel like you can copy and put and put on LinkedIn or put in an email to a client or something like that, you need to make sure that you really know where that comes from. Right. Because if you don't, you're going to be caught flat-footed, and that's just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. So I actually never asked the ChatGPT that questions. You know, I ask, you know, write me these, and then ask wh- what's your references. <laughs> I wonder what would it say actually. It, well, and this is this is the thing that's hard. Is it might be referencing ten different things and putting it together, and so you know it's doing the work for you. But if you ever have to be accountable to it, it's challenging. And so in the um, in the education space right now, you know the uh, machine generated content is a is a is a problem. Right. Uh, it's been a problem for you know students farming out their outsourcing their papers and things to other people has been a problem for, you know, for years. Yes. Uh, in fact, in, I think in like uh, some, some African countries, like there's been massive economic hits because of chat GPT, the, the, the paper writers aren't getting uh, enough business. And so it's, so it's really, so it's really interesting to kind of, you know, talking about B2B marketing, but also like in the classroom and uh, there's, when students turn in papers, there's systems that can identify uh, if there was academic challenges or dishonesty or what have you, and it can cite where something came from. So right. even those solutions aren't necessarily primed to say where machine-generated content came from. Instead, it's, it scores it saying this is probably machine-generated, and it'll, yeah. it'll highlight the sections. ChatGPT, OpenAI announced, I think two or three months ago, that they had launched a solution to market to identify what's where content came from. And rather, and even them, there isn't a direct citation. It's, you know, a certain percentage that something was machine generated. And even the efficacy of that was pretty low, like 30% or um, 25%, if, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't looked at the statistic in a while, but it was very, very low. The ability to identify that something was machine generated is very challenging. And so the importance of knowing where things come from, citations, all that stuff really plays a role yeah. uh, in yeah. in having integrity with the information that you're putting out there. So so I guess that uh, when you're uh, trying to talk about something factual, go back to your search engine. <laughs> Instead of just relying on, yeah, get the source. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, because when we, um, as marketers, uh, in the past, I've developed tons of the social uh, media marketing strategies and plans, and um, and and the policy as well, because you know when when social media just came out, it's also mind-boggling, right? How do you use this thing, you know, effectively? And not da- damaging your brand in the end, you know, there needs to be actually crisis management situation as well, because this live interaction is. So have you seen, um, any, um, companies or any, any case examples that, you know, company has actually started, uh, looking to, uh, writing corporate policy, how to use this AI 
um, generated AI to, you know, to really optimize the operation, not really become a counterproductive piece of tool. So there's two types of companies. There's companies that are just have a blanket policy. Do not touch this. Right. Do not put company information into it. Right. This is not, you know, part of that has to do with more security protocols. Um, but then there's other companies that are usually small or medium sized that have, depending on how you're storing the data, where you're storing the data, all of those types of things. Um, I think we'll see in the future more legal costs associated with, uh, you know, generative AI. Uh, I think we'll see a um, potentially in the same way you have subscriptions to access different streaming platforms. I think that um, that's going to be an added cost, especially depending on how the regulatory ecosystem responds to, uh, you know, hey, you know, we feel, you know, these this uh, generative AI engine is stealing our content. We were able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they're stealing our content. So if you want to access content like X, you're going to have to pay extra into. Um, and so I think that's going to be probably like a marketplace, uh, an information marketplace is, is going to be an added cost. But right now, you know, a lot of these costs are being uh, absorbed by, you know, venture capital and, um, you know, yeah. these these groups that are heavily investing in this area. So in the same way, you know, ride sharing was super cheap 10, 15 years ago. Right. We're right. at that stage with generative AI where it was really the VCs that were making your trip cheaper. Not, yeah. right. but, um, and, and the, the difference is I don't think I don't, well, I don't know, actually. The difference is, is like when those VCs were paying down your rideshare costs, it was to try to sweep and own a market, right? Um, I don't think we're going to see the, necessarily the same behavior with uh, generative AI, just because I think the cost structure is different. Right. Um, and, uh, but, you know, when OpenAI announced their premium ChatGPT um, product, like that's you know that's an example of you know in the in the near term some some additional potential costs for a user or group licenses. I mean, it's only going to evolve on top of that. And maybe with those licenses, you get more privacy, or you feed an algorithm that's only going to be for your firm, or whatever the case may be. So. Um, so it's it's interesting because we're it's so nascent, it's so new. Um, you know, there's the there's the high level of where the costs are coming from, but what the costs are actually going to be when you're ready to do something more in production, especially as there's more APIs into these engines, is yeah. going to be uh, an interesting thing. A lot of non new businesses are probably going to uh, definitely pop out of the woodwork because of just this particular problem: managing your costs. Um, tapping into data that you can't can't tap into today, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, no, that those are really gold nuggets you just provided. Um, because you know, hundred percent, just like uh, like anything, right? Yeah. Uh, um, when you come out new, 
um, like you said, it's funded by VC. But if business is not really taking a long-term planning approach, um, we can all get caught into these, right? And if you're just thinking that, hey, you know, all this thing we can actually just, um, um, you know, funnel to machine to to do all these tasks for us, right? Without thinking about uh, the cost is all gonna come, you know. <laughs> so how do you even um, develop a you know a proper framework to review the return on investment, right? You know, like uh, it, 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 is this? There's a lot of like you know we talk about like a brand point of view, accuracy point of view, and um, from you know like a um, ethic component point of view, you can open kind of wins already. And then, you know, um, then, you know, following you're hundred percent right, you know, like ChatGPT is not going to continue to go down this path and offering the tool for free. Right. And the premium tool, that is the first step. Right. So, uh, meanwhile, that business is thinking, Hey, we just leverage these things and, uh, sap your team. And they, you know, people might be in a shop for it pretty soon. I think. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, so you know, um, are there actually ways to evaluate return on investment of using this thing now? Given that it's free, um, right. the return on investment could be pretty high. The the um, there, there's a free version, um, you know, assuming no downtime. So, like, if uh, if you're, we're going to use a few examples. Okay, so. Example one would be you have a copywriter and your copywriter's fees haven't changed, but the number of content, the amount of content the copywriter, you know, is releasing. So like, let's say you spend, you know, $5,000 a month with that $5,000, you get, you know, 10, uh, you know, uh, five articles. And with those five articles, the copywriter, like, make sure that they, like, they're actually doing some marketing work, too, to make sure that that article goes out on certain days that are primed for certain things. And let's say that they are using, you, you have a conversation with them, hey, are you leveraging generative AI? Are there ways to use generative AI to make you be more effective? And maybe they go from doing five articles a week to, or sorry, a month to 30 articles, all right, so their their productivity has changed exponentially, and so if your content is the primary reason that drives your, you know, your uh, more first party data, more leads, more whatever, like those the criteria that you know each business has a different strategy, so it's hard to I want to make it, try to keep it kind of lean. Like you should expect to have a stronger return on investment, maybe like. That five thousand dollars you spent a month actually becomes in in that you spent you spend twelve months a year. Maybe you only pay that person five thousand dollars, maybe a little bit more. Maybe they charge a little bit more a month, but you only need them for half the year. So right. that cost goes down a little bit, but the productivity goes up. Um, and for that freelancer, like they're you know probably not super upset because they can take on more clientele. And be just as effective. So, um, so I think that's that's one example. Another example would be you're a small business owner and you rely exclusively on ChatGPT for 
your content because you can't afford, you don't have a budget for a copywriter. And every time you try to use ChatGPT, there's too many people using it. So you have content that's waiting, content that you want created that you don't have that you know you don't have the bandwidth to do your own on your own. Yeah. So you want the machine to do it, and it doesn't go out because you 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 can't get in. So then you have to pay for a subscription, and even then, like you're still probably going to have a pretty strong return on that. But like that time, like the cost of time is a, is a massive cost yeah. Um, yeah. for business, Absolutely. you know, especially, especially with the trades. Like if you have big announcement about your company or about your industry in the trades and you want to respond to that and you're just not confident enough to do it on your own, or you need, you're somebody like me, I'm dyslexic, right? So uh, I always need to make sure that I have somebody reading my work I'm, I'm notorious for you know writing misspelling emails or even like really small things even my own email sometimes I I misspell so um so being able to have that that check and balance um and the, the time that it takes to do that it would be another example um so it, it's not that different from how you would calculate your return on investment today um, but it is something that we, that as business leaders, we need to be thinking, how is this changing our productivity? Is this yeah. making us more productive or less productive? Right. Cause yeah. another thing is like for people that might not be a power user of generative AI, like it might cost more, more time, more energy, you know? Um, so, so, so it's, it's going to be very contextual to the company and their, and their particular strategy. It's not unreasonable for there to be optimized performance, um, yeah. but in that same light, there could be it could create inefficiencies that could be debilitating as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, right. Thank you, thank you so so much. Like you're giving us so much to think about. You know, um, and we we couldn't fit in all the content within one episode because this subject is so new, so big, and. Um, and you just have this breadth of knowledge, you know, um, through your experience, both uh, obviously from enterprise space as well as the academia space. Um, so I really, really appreciate you to come back to our show and talk to our listeners, you know, on different various aspects, you know, um, in terms of using this uh, uh, powerful tool. Um, that is not going to go away and it's always, uh, it's going to be better and more powerful into the future without a doubt. Um, for our listeners, uh, if they want to really understand more, is there any recommended readings you can provide to, um, you can, you can refer to our, um, listeners if they like to find out more about the impact of uh, AI? You know, I, it, for, you know, I think the listeners of, of this podcast, um, it, you know, B2B marketing, is going is is going to be impacted quite a bit. Um, I would take us back to um, the machine generated email. You know, when we think about machine generated content, right? We're usually relying on other parties to do that stuff for us, and we just we need to be sophisticated enough, like not to provide a direct. Like, you just need to be sophisticated enough. Are you asking that person the right questions? Okay. Um, when I think about something more challenging that businesses are facing is the premise of getting a machine generated email and how that is actually going to really deprecate 
your first party data strategy, especially as you want to have a strong relationship with your customer base and you think you're communicating with them, but you're not. And as we know, like Apple automatically shows your emails as open. So you have to already look at different criteria to see if somebody's, you know, or did they buy the thing or did they go to the link? Um, you're look, you're already trying to chase down different variables. And so um, making sure that you understand like what emails you are getting. Um, and, and that is something that actually Locker has been providing. Um, we have a, we have a white paper that we dropped a few weeks ago about machine generated emails and how debilitating that they can be. And we're doing ongoing research. Um, I, essentially doing audits of how much how much machine generated emails are uh, impacting a first party data asset uh, and how to overcome that helping um, publishers and businesses overcome that so that when they are ready to you know to target those users um, they're actually able to um, and they're in in the real time providing them with tools to give consumers options when it comes to, you know, creating an account and things like that. Um, so I direct your, your uh, listeners to that white paper and it's uh, the link is loc.kr slash authentication trends. And uh, they could get access to the white paper there. Um, I think that's an imminent challenge because everybody thinks that their first party data asset is perfect and it's not. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's absolutely valuable. So so we'll we'll pop that link to um, as we release this episode as well. And um, in the comment sections and through various channels as as we launch this um, uh, conversation. So um, how do are you open for people to get in touch with you, Ryan? If someone, you know, is very curious and they want to find out more of the work you're doing or just want to have, have a bit more chat about AI as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, anybody can email me. It's bo at uh, locker, L-O-C dot K-R. Okay. And, um, and uh, definitely email me. We can get, you know, I have a calendar. People can get on my calendar. Uh, happy to happy to chat. LinkedIn's a great place as well. Um, So uh, always eager to have conversations, whether it's talking about generative generative AI or other types of elements in the ad tech and MarTech space. Um, You know, this is a, it's an, it's an interesting industry um, and the technological changes that are taking place are super important for businesses to be aware of um, because Um, not because, uh, you might fall behind or, or anything like that, but more because you rely on agencies oftentimes to do the work for you. And if you don't have, if you're not equipped with the right questions for that agency, you might not be getting the best return on investment. No, that's, uh, that's fantastic. You know, thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, um, yeah. So get in touch, uh, get connected with Ryan on LinkedIn and, um, you guys got permission to email as well, which is awesome. I'm really, I feel really privileged because we live in the same city. So I'm definitely going to, um, 
pitch you and uh, grab a coffee and um and especially your your background as a product manager and so I'd love to you know, be able to have a chat so again thank you so so much Ryan for coming to the show and share um the wealth of knowledge that you have on this uh, important and trending topic with us great great to be here thanks Eve looking forward to that coffee and having you in my class this fall that's awesome. Thank you so, so much. And again, thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. And I look forward to having you on our show again. To, um, um, let's talk revenue marketing. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. Don't stop now. There's more to explore. Dive into our other captivating episodes where we uncover revenue boosting strategies, insider secrets and inspiring success stories. Get ready to unleash your marketing potential and stay ahead of the game. Keep listening and enjoy the next episode.